Hi, I'm Dr. Barbara Byers. Welcome back. This is part two of the masculine and the feminine. So I wanna start just with a bit of a recap of what I talked about last time. The masculine and the feminine within us, it's not our gender, but it's qualities within us, our essential qualities uh, about our identity, and they actually reflect God's image, his true nature. And while male or female is our gender, our soul has movements of both masculine and feminine. And whether we are male or female, we have both, and we need to welcome both of them and, and learn um, to use them and invite the Lord's healing if we're lacking in any, in any area. Sorry, God created us in his image, and so he holds within himself both the masculine and the feminine. He embodies both. As I said last time, the voice of the masculine is I initiate, I act, I establish, I construct. And the voice of the feminine is I receive and respond and nourish. So the masculine is holy strength and the feminine is holy beauty. Uh, Medinger had four contrasts between the masculine and the feminine. I'll just, I think they bear repeating. The masculine is outer directed, more of the doing, while the feminine is more inner directed, more of the being. The masculine's essence is initiation. The feminine's essence is response. The masculine engages in authority and decision-making, and the feminine engages more in the empowering. The masculine operates in truth and principles, while the feminine is more moved with compassion and mercy. So we need fully integrated men, spirit, soul, and body, and we need fully integrated women. And I talked about last time the masculine, we desperately need men in the true masculine who are fully present in the church, in their work, in their families toward themselves, and who are deeply affirmed and know their identity. And if not, the false masculine is gonna try to take over and dominate. So that means a man needs healing. And how does he receive healing? By taking in the love of God, the nature of Father God, by hearing his Father's voice define him and give him his identity, which means he's gonna to have to receive. All right, so this time I wanted to talk more about the feminine. And these are feminine qualities, not just female, more of the heart, the being, the creative, intuitive part of us, that dimension of our soul that is receptive. It takes in, it receives. And again, uh, the true feminine is always to be wedded to and balanced by the true masculine. Because if it's not balanced well, then the false feminine can abound. So what's the true feminine? Well, it's the capacity to be. It's the being. It's responsiveness to God, to others, to nature. It's relational. It's connective. Um, it responds to those who are weak and shows, and shows mercy. It knows how to receive. You know, the Christian life really is all about receiving. 
We are created by God and we receive a life from him. And we've got to learn to receive his word and receive his nurture and then get things planted within us that can grow and mature. The true feminine nurtures, heals, um, loves. In the true feminine, there is intuition there is sensing and feeling and perceiving and knowing at a very deep level. There's creativity, there's imagination um, that gets um, lit up. There's humility and surrender. In the truth, I mean, there's surrender. There's worship, and you have to have surrender in order to worship, right? There's discernment and sensitivity to danger and to those who are dangerous. And there is a tenderness in the vulnerability of the feminine. So what does the feminine look like, particularly in a woman? Well, I quoted Larry Crabb last time in Fully Alive. I'm going to quote him again, what he says about women. A woman is feminine when she relates in a way that invites others to see something about God that is irresistibly attractive something about the relational nature of God that she was created to enjoy and reveal. I just love that. It makes me as a woman want to come more fully alive in my feminine and say, yes, I want to display this of God, this glory and the beauty. I want it to be irresistibly attractive because Jesus is irresistibly attractive. Um, he goes on to say, she invites movement toward her and embraces the movement she receives from others and from the Lord. She invites rather than demands or controls. So there's this beautiful responsiveness and this beautiful receptivity in the true feminine. So consider Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, she is this young girl and the angel comes to her and she is way outside of anything she's ever known or experienced. And yet she was able almost immediately, she says, well, you know, how can this be? But it was more, how can this be out of curiosity and, and wonder and awe? And yet at the same time, she just immediately surrenders. And she says, yes, you know, use my body, use my womb. I will receive and let you plant within me. Um, and say yes to you. That's the beauty of the true feminine. And then consider Mary of Bethany sitting at Jesus' feet, something not really allowed in that day. And uh, the master allowed that. And she sat, and he later said of her, she's chosen the best part, the best part, to receive from me, to be connected to me, to abide here with me. Um. So there's this tenderness of vulnerability. In, in Chariot of Fire, Martha Kilpatrick wrote, a woman's strength lies in her feminine vulnerability, which God delights to cover. Some wounded women are very afraid to be vulnerable because they feel like now they need to protect themselves and their wounds. But we don't. We can invite the Lord to heal the wound and to be our shield and our covering. The true feminine brings to birth. And whether that's a child or an idea or a building, and then protects the young as it's coming up. And the, the, the true feminine 
civilizes and softens the masculine and is able to be fully responsive to the masculine without fear. Okay, so what about the false feminine? Um, if we don't abound in the true feminine, if it's not balanced by the masculine, if there's misandry and fear and hatred of, of the masculine, then you're going to have the false feminine. And it's also, just like the false masculine, it's also characterized by insecurity. It's a perversion of the truth. So instead of tenderness and mercy, you have passivity. You have over-compliance, overly submissive, too nice, the Christian nice girl um, who's not able to initiate and, and, and stand upright. You also... Um, engage in self-pity very often. And it's particularly characterized by codependency. And where there's codependency, there's always a manipulation. You're either being manipulated, allowing someone to manipulate you because you don't have your own true voice, or you're trying to manipulate another to get your needs met because you don't know how to get your needs met. And we can so passionately want someone else to change, you know, because we feel like our happiness is is dependent on them and that that we end up being very um, uh, codependent and very manipulative with it. Also in the false feminine is hyper-spirituality. I have seen women who lack a true and solid identity as a person engage in a kind of hyper-spirituality that seems to give them a sort of identity, but, but it's false. It's not the true feminine, and it's not the true full personhood. There's also lack of clarity, lack of vision, loss of your own voice in the false feminine, um, can't make decisions, can be overly sympathetic toward others and toward others' needs. You can you know, sort of coddle them and justify their pain and bless their heart. Uh, it's not very helpful because love and truth go together, the feminine and the masculine. The false feminine can have all, this, all these feelings and all this meaning, but not have form and substance and direction to it. Uh, there can be difficulty giving order to thoughts and feelings and, and not able to edit. In the false feminine, there can be seduction. You know, sexual seduction is not the true feminine. The true feminine is fascinating, but um, there's this enticement that substitutes for that. It includes deception and manipulation. Also, the, in the false feminine, you can take on an overly masculine demeanor. All right. So that's the true and the false feminine. So we can't have the true masculine and the true feminine unless they are integrated within us because one lends to the other, one balances the other. Both are necessary to support and complement the other and each needs to be informed and balanced by the other. Thoughts need to be informed by intuition, cognitions by imagination, and so on. So both men and women can be nurturing, receptive, wonderfully responsive, but also able to stand up and initiate and speak the truth and build and shape and protect. Uh, so 
Both of these capacities are operating in balance and in tandem with one another. And in scripture, we can look at, uh, say, Deborah, the prophet Deborah. She had both the masculine and feminine in balance. She was a prophet and she was a judge in Israel, and she was she was leading Israel at the time, Judges 4-4 four, four and, and on. And uh, Barak came to her and asked her, he was a general, go into battle with me. And she was very reluctant, but, but she did it. And once there, she directed him when to go ahead. She said, you know, God's going to give you complete deliverance. Go, go now. And then later, she composed a whole song about that in Judges 5, about her arising as a mother in Israel. That's the true feminine. So she demonstrated both this beautiful feminine mothering and the decisive, directing, masculine movements. Okay? David is another example of both. Uh, and we know him as king and warrior in First Chronicles 28. He, I'm sure he, by that time he was very battle weary, but he still had such a heart to build a house for God. And he wrote, all of this, the Lord made me understand. That's taking in, that's the receptive. By, in writing by his hand upon me and gave me insight regarding the details of the pattern. So that's the true feminine in David's soul, receiving, understanding, intuiting what the Lord was wanting in terms of a temple being built. And then he turned and with the true masculine in his soul, got a hold of his son and exhorted him, go and build this. And he even, you know, stockpiled the goods so that Solomon um, could do it. So those are just two examples. And you know, God loves how he's made us. He made us man or woman, and he wants to affirm that within us, both our gender and the movements of the masculine and feminine in our soul. And But we have to receive it. And to receive it, sometimes we're going to have to repent of any bentness we've had toward manipulation, power, control. That's the false masculine or the false feminine, passivity, codependency, manipulation, or where we just respond to others, but we won't stand up, or where we've lost something in our soul because we haven't used the feminine or the masculine. He wants to restore these. He wants to display his glory in us and his image in us. Women need to have authority imparted and men need to have receptivity and he wants to release these into us and awaken within our soul what's been covered in asleep. So I hope these two teachings have helped you and encouraged and inspired you to ask the Lord for that. See you next time.